Hello and welcome to another special episode of our podcast, Offside Musings. On behalf of my co-host, Emeko Nyagwa, it's such a delight to have you back today. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at a political, particular political development in Nigeria. Specifically, uh, the announcement by the former governor of Kwara State, Dr. Bukola Saraki, of his intention to seek the presidency of Nigeria in 2023. We're particularly interested in the mode of this announcement. So a group of young Nigerian professionals uh, led by Abubakar Dan Musa went to the PDP headquarters, the headquarters of the People's Democratic Party, and paid... Um, about 40 million naira, which they said they had collected from their membership to secure a form of interest for Mr. Saraki to run for the presidency. In making that presentation, the Musa suggested that the former governor, who was also former Senate president, represented the best material for Nigerian youth. In response to this gesture, Bukola Saraki then announced that if he became president, all the ministers of state in his administration will be under 35 years old. This is a kind of tokenism that should rile and infuriate Nigerian youth. Bukola Saraki's record, which we are going to x-ray a bit in this episode, is not inspiring at all. In fact, it's an indictment on the political uh, information, the political uh, education of those who went to, as it were, orchestrate this recruitment of Bukola Saraki, that they thought that Bukola Saraki represents the kind of leader that Nigeria needs. He doesn't. At any rate, that Bukola Saraki would propose to have ministers of state who are under 35 is to, in a lot of ways, um, degrade the Nigerian youth. The country is a dominantly youthful demographic. It is about time Nigerian youth went in the forefront, they should seek the presidential office, they should seek to fill most positions in the country with people who are youthful and enlightened. They shouldn't settle for junior ministers in a government. Well, we're going to be looking at all and unpacking uh, this development in today's episode. You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, election political theatre, right? Yep, election it's a, season. It's a sort of, um, it's a sort of unfortunate uh, theatre that we find in Nigeria where uh, political aspirants want to create the impression that um, a group of people, there is a groundswell of enthusiasm and that people are, are clamoring for them to run for political office. 
Um, and in a lot of ways, I think that is an old, dated uh, uh, theater uh, that Nigerians should say, if you are interested in political office, you should be interested. Do not depend on so-called um, a comically put together team to come and ginger you to get in the race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, but in a way, I mean, do, do we look at it and 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 look and and say, look, that is the the kind of theater um, Nigerians love. If you come up and you come up seriously and you feel you should run and you have that kind of arrogance, maybe even if you want to be sacrilegious, hey, you have the arrogance of even an Awolo. Yeah. You know, you feel you're the best, you know. Do you think an Awolo would be electorally successful in this era? Do you feel um, there has the, the level of um, political discourse, the level of... Um, um, intellect in Nigeria, do you think it can rise up to something more than just what happens, gathering a bunch of people? Essentially, wow, you gather a bunch of people, you create theater that is all laughable at best, um, and you say, hey, you know, these people want me to run. In fact, um, a little story, there's a relative of mine who last time I was in Nigeria, you know, was taking me around and all those things, and he's so politically active, and I was asking him, you know, is it that you want to run? And he's always telling me no. But every time he'll turn around and look at me and say, yeah, what well, people need somebody in government. <laughs> it's like, like, bro, yeah. make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it, it, I remember from years ago, from the 1980s during the MPN, MPP time. And uh, whenever somebody came out to uh, run for the governorship or to go to the Senate or the House, um, their whole uh, narrative was uh, my people asked me to come and go and represent them. My people, you know, people asked me to come and run. And I'm saying uh, leadership is a particular calling, okay? And you have to feel it in you. There's an arrogance involved, you know. So when you propose yourself at somebody who can run the affairs of other people. There's a quality of arrogance there, right? Often, that arrogance, unfortunately, is tied to demonstrated incompetence, which is what happens in Nigeria. So, of course, Bukola Saraki was not surprised. Bukola Saraki orchestrated this whole uh, Bubagata Damusa-led uh, uh, quest uh, to... Uh, gather money and go and pay uh, for his nomination form. I can almost tell you that if anybody put in money uh, to either half a million naira to two million, which is what Damusa said that people contributed, if they put that money down, it must be that in the past, they uh, perhaps when Bokalasaraki was governor, that uh, most of the contributors got uh, contracts, got political appointments where they made money, or that there is an expectation of such a windfall coming their way should Bukala Saraki, in the unlikely um, uh, scenario of Bukala Saraki becoming president. 
But the whole idea of uh, of creating the impression that here you were sleeping and people just surprised you with this <laughs> great, um, you know, a frenzy of 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 uh, expectation and of support um, is something that, as I said, is dated. It's been tried. It's boring. So if Bukalar Saharaki wants to be president of Nigeria, he should actually come out and say so uh, without any uh, sense of being shy. But let me read to you something that is uh, from the uh, statement mm-hmm. that this so-called youthful delegation uh, gave. Here it is. Um, they, they, they claimed... We are particularly unhappy that the country is not providing the right atmosphere for the millions of its youths to serve as agents of development. Instead, many of our compatriots are being forced to go into negative activities because the system is not encouraging them to utilize their positive potential. It goes on. It is for these reasons that we concluded that we should not leave the process leading to the emergence of the next president of our country to only politicians. We've decided to get involved right from the pre-primary election period. We're determined to ensure that only good, solid, forward-looking, and visionary candidates emerge to vie for the February 2023 presidential elections. They continued, We want candidates who understand the needs of the business group and can initiate policies, programs, and projects that will encourage the growth of businesses, particularly small and medium-scale enterprises. Further, we want a candidate that will create a synergy between the private and business sectors. We want a man who will naturally earn the respect of the international community and the confidence of foreign and local investors and get them to establish factories and businesses. We want a candidate who understands that job creation and wealth creation is a sine qua non for the survival of our country and that only by creating the right environment for the private sector can this be achieved. We want a candidate who is not too old, who appreciates the needs of young people and therefore we create a bridge between the old and the young. We want a candidate who is not dogmatic about religion or tribe. We want a unifier. We want a bridge builder. We want an experienced person as the next president of Nigeria. We want a compassionate, courageous, and cool-headed president. And so this is the critical point. Mm -hmm. These are are boxes we have created for the next president of Nigeria to tick. After an intensive search, we have found a man who ticks almost all the boxes. He is... Fortunately, one of the leaders of your party, the PDP. He is Dr. Abubakar Bukolosaraki, CON, a former president of the Nigerian Senate, former chairman of the Nigerian Governors Forum, former governor of Kwara State, former special assistant to the president of Nigeria on budget matters, former executive vice chairman of Societe General Bank of Nigeria, former member of the Vision 2020 Committee and a consummate friend of the Nigerian youth. 
So you look at that mm-hmm. um, sort of um, criteria that this group has come up uh, with. On the face of it, um, if you didn't know the political terrain of Nigeria, if you did not have any sense of who Bukala Saraki is, you might think, wow, Nigeria is so fortunate. But these so-called youth, okay, list um, Bukala Saraki's resume. The untold story here is that Bukala Saraki failed woefully in every position. Okay, so he was governor of Kwara State. In what state did he leave Kwara State? Would Bukala Saraki allow any of his children to go to schools to have their education in Kwara State, the Kwara State that he created? Okay, would Bukala Saraki allow himself or any member of his immediate family to be treated in any hospital in Kwara State? Okay. Um, would Bukala Saraki feel safe to walk the streets of the cities in Kwara State? In other words, Bukala Saraki was a failed governor of Kwara State. Uh, the least Societe General Bank, the story is that that bank was driven on the ground. Okay? That bank no longer exists. Okay? So the idiocy, which is what it is, that Nigerians think that if you just, by virtue of holding political office, okay, so if you've been a governor, you should get, a, you should get credit as if you had a surpassing career as a governor. No. People must be judged by the quality of leadership that they produced. So Bukala Saraki was a member of Vision 2020. What uh, effect has Vision 2020 had on Nigeria's development ever. Do you understand? So it is, it's, it's, it's actually a painful thing that so-called Nigerian youth will come up with something so, so unintelligent, so foolish, so ultimately self-serving, and so ahistorical. Okay? So you have not made the case in any degree uh, to... Um, to support, to buoy Bukola Saraki's candidacy. If anything, critically, what you've done is to actually to x-ray why Bukola Saraki, who has had all these public roles and private roles in Nigeria and has not left any positive imprint, you've made a case for why somebody like him should not be president yeah you know it's so when you look at it from what should be an objective standard which is what you laid out it's it 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 seems clear that it shouldn't be um i mean he shouldn't you know it him whatever this is this this whole charade shouldn't be taken seriously um we could just sum all of it up with that but when you have conversations with people, it seems like they have a different standard of 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 what progress is. Mm-hmm. Somebody, for instance, would say, Bukla Saraki was the one that broke hold of his father's his father's hold of Kwara State 
um, even old Kora State, which I believe included uh, Kogi State as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his, far, his father had a political hold on it, and not just a political hold, a hold where um, he the state the state finances, the state coffers, the state's um, resources were mostly diverted to him, where he would um, you know have um, massive. Um, parties and give uh, giveaways that, that, in his compound. That, that's his father. That's his father. Okay. And people say he broke it. And you know, after he left, um, he didn't um, hand it over to his sister, who wanted to um, um, govern the state next, mm-hmm. and all that. Some in some quarters, and you'd have the same thing that a similar thing happened where um, there was zoning in the Senate, and Bukola Saraki found a way of um, of. Um, um, Getting him, he wasn't the preferred candidate based the, on what the political of party, the party, yeah. and you know, broke, so people say that was that is a sign of that, that's their that's some people's standard. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the author argument, mm-hmm. like well, that's a standard that you know. Um, but you know, it's at the end of the day, if that's all that is the standard in the way you know, the way from where I see, if that's the standard, just literally breaking breaking something bad and replacing it with something in some cases maybe even worse yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. You know so. i mean part of it is that you wonder if if uh a lot of nigerians understand the depth of their country's crisis okay so we have spent 61 going on 62 years of independence not just marching time but marching backward okay we i mean you look at this country nigeria okay and you when you have a country that doesn't even have reliable roads okay something as basic as that i tell people you know when they declare governors to be achievers because they built roads substandard roads that are washed off by the first rain right i tell them that any country that takes itself seriously would have its roads built and fixed maintained even if you put a goat there as a governor or president okay but you are looking at nigeria we don't have roads, something that should be basic, okay? You don't have running water in most of the cities in Nigeria, if not all of them. So people have to make private arrangements for their water. You don't have even a um, sewage system, okay? You don't have a refuse re- removal system. So one of the ways you know that you are approaching a big city in Nigeria, if you're on the road, I tell people, check it out. If you are driving on a highway in Nigeria, you know that you are approaching a big city because at the edge of the city, there is a huge mountain of refuse, garbage by the roadside. <laughs> And it's usually burning, so people set it on fire, and so it burns. So that's the way it's disposed of. And it distills all these toxic elements into the atmosphere, which people standing next door, and uh, standing nearby, or people who even live far away, ultimately breathe. Okay? So 
we have no infrastructure of any sort okay we don't even have uh, so you know so I've talked about a few basic things right mm-hmm. so when you go to um healthcare okay so we don't have a healthcare system so and when i say this again a lot of nigerians say oh you know but this governor built a hospital right and i tell them to build a, a, an alleged hospital because that's a, what, what we have is we have alleged hospitals mm-hmm. places that should not be accused of being hospitals but it, it, there's no hospital in any state in nigeria that the governor who ran the state for four or eight years would allow himself to be admitted for treatment. There is not one governor, if anybody knows of a Nigerian governor who got sick and checked into a hospital in his home state, I'd like to know about it. <laughs> Unless it, is, it was during the COVID period when there was a global shutdown. Mm-hmm. The first thing they do is they fly themselves out to Ghana, to South Africa, to uh, to the UK, to France, to Germany, and so on, to Canada. So, we don't have anything. And so, in a lot of ways, therefore, we need the kind of leader who is capable of accelerating, okay? Sort of the kind of leader in Dubai who, a few decades ago, sat down and said to himself, I want my people, I want Dubai to have the best in healthcare, in finance, in education, and it transformed Dubai into this awe-inspiring small entity that Nigerians want like to go to, to enjoy and to party, without recognizing that this is the product, the creation of human imagination, and that if they apply their own imagination, they can, you know, transform their spaces into at Dubai or even better, okay? And so uh, every year, right, the Nigerian government comes up with a list of uh, uh, recipients of national honors. Mm -hmm. It's the most irresponsible and lazy process that I have ever seen. (laughs) So if you've been a governor or a senate president, they give you this CON, which I call con artist, Okay. Um, uh, or they give you something like GCFR or GCON and so on. And you say to yourself... I think GCON is when you've been the president. Yeah, or that yeah. Or they give you GCON. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so, you know, so the thing is, we always equate people who have smuggled themselves into political office, who have served themselves, like T- uh, Bukala Saraki, we all remember the kind of lavish um, pension that he arranged for himself when he was leaving the governor's mansion after eight years. So this is eight years of splurging on the resources of Kwara State. When he's leaving to become a senator, he arranges for himself, or you know, after every year or two, they will change his cars, they will give him this allowance, they will give him a house, and so on and so forth. They will provide for medical treatment for himself and members of his family abroad. That the fact that you know these people who occupy offices in Nigeria will put in this you know outrages, and yet people take it for them. Oh, you know he he's been governor. He was a member of Vision Twenty Twenty. Uh, he was an advisor 
a special advisor to uh, on budget matters. How is there when so uh, Bukala Sarke was Senate president? Yeah. Can you giving <laughs> you can you think of one law one that Bukala Saraki sponsored one bill when he was Senate president that you would say has changed the lives of Nigerians for the better. Can you remember one law that is associated I mean, with Bukala Saraki? That would be a tough. That's one we should probably put out there and ask people if they could. So you know, if you have uh, that information, we'd we'll like to hear about it. And if you know, if somehow we are misconceived, right? If we slept through all these uh, moments of genius by Bukala Saraki, and so we don't have that information, please, you know, send it to us. You know, because yeah. we like you, like every Nigerian, I want, I want a leader in our country who can dream big and can transform the country into what it is capable of being, right? Yeah. And of course, there's a whole question which we'll get into uh, shortly about his offer, this tokenism that he's giving to youth or if I become president, every minister of state in my cabinet will be under 35. Um, yeah, I, I mean... It's, I see it as an insult. I don't know your take. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think a lot of people, um, I think it's calculated. I think it's effective to say that because um, I think society at large, you have so many people who, young and old, who see government as the only way um, at this point in time, you, most people just see government as the only way to make money. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling youths, essentially you're looking at them and telling them, do you know what? You don't have to be online. Like they say, oh, wait your turn. Mm-hmm. You know, they will zone it and zone it and zone it. In some cases, you're looking at somebody who um, a position is, is zoned that if you are maybe 30 years old, and they are zoning it for eight eight years. By the time it comes to you, he <laughs> probably yes. be your, your eighties. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, so I uh, telling somebody like, look, you could get a high position. Um, it's going to be reserved for you. In fact, it's another. It's another down. It's, it's going to be zoned, and there's going to be identitarianism. Mm-hmm. Oh, and in this case, it's going to be age that is going to be the identifier for these people. Just support me. Um, go out there. Um, you know, cause confusion amongst those people who want a better country, whether you agree with them or not, whether it's the Sunday Ogbohos, you don't agree with them, or the Namdekanos, or, you know, even if you don't agree with them, even if you say their methods are this, and they shut down the East, and all those kind of things, or you don't agree with um, the, I mean, we used to have a lot of civil, um, a lot of um, 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 civil leaders, let's put that, I, I don't know the terms, I won't call them civil rights, mm-hmm. the, the, the Ghanifah means and, and so on and so on and so forth. Um, you know, if you, 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 you they, they would want people to go out there and make these people who want to, who are, um, who are leaders, who people follow, um, whether it's the Banja Kinto, yes, I think they are more on the Yoruba side than any other place. People who seem to have principles and who seem to be galvanizing people in one way, shape, or form, um, when you ha- when you make this kind of offers to youths, you in a way have activated people who are going to go into this their spaces and try and 
um, either Paul Water or act as agents of doom or agent zeros fight that you've you've in a way diluted what is becoming real agitations mm-hmm. by people mm-hmm. not just those of those in fact i was listening to somebody uh, today he was talking about uh, before he started he says yeah i live abroad but then let's say it, he's a political he's a refugee you know in his mindset mm-hmm. in his mind he would not be living um wherever he's living if not for the circumstance. And I know a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. They live in all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. I know people who I would have sworn. In fact, they've had sworn to me even at the beginning before Buhari got into power. Like they had zero interest in living abroad. Some for a variety, variety of reasons. And a lot of these people is not like, a lot of these people I'm talking about, they were not working for the government. A lot of them were working in private. Some of them were even, even had moved back I know people that moved back 10, 12 years ago, um, you know, and they were fine with whatever they were doing, but now they want to leave. Um, and and yes, maybe in a certain age range, they have kids, they, they start looking at it exactly the way you have on it. These people that are leading you don't have their kids in their schools, don't use the hospitals. Um, a lot of these people I talk about were not, they themselves, if it came to something serious, they wouldn't use hospitals. They would come to America to deliver or even countries that didn't offer birthright citizenships, they would go there to deliver mm-hmm. um, because obviously, I mean, um, childbirth is one of the most dangerous times for a mother, yeah. you know? So it, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, in a way it's a calculation to activate a whole bunch of people and give them hope, which they wouldn't have. And then they would go in and dilute the, the, what I feel is the authentic anger and the authentic desperation and the, the authentic, you know, agitations and, and, and from, by people and, um, you know, find a way of diluting that and keeping the system as is mm-hmm. and getting in there and continuing it while maybe giving some crumbs, you know. Yeah, so this is, um, I, I want to quote Bukola Sarakin in his own words, in his response to these um, uh, youth uh, who uh, ostensibly purchased a presidential nomination <laughs> form for him. So he said to them, with your action today, I do not have an option but to listen to the voice of the youths who represent 62% of the over 200 million Nigerians. That is why I want to promise that if I become the president of Nigeria, all positions of ministers of state in the cabinet will be occupied by youths. This is a promise that I will not fail because I believe the ideas of the youths are needed to drive modern development efforts. And you know from my record that I have the boldness to implement this promise. So, two points, quick points. And the least important one is the one that I'll go with first. Where is evidence of Bukala Saraki's boldness that he's invoking in that Maybe uh, statement? going against his father? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we all rebelled. You know, I know that I rebelled against my parents. Um, had a good record of that. Uh, sometimes foolishly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the larger point is ministers of state. If you understand uh, 
Nigeria, you know that to be a minister of state is to be, in a lot of ways, no better than the carrier of the bag of the minister. You know, it's like being a deputy governor in Nigeria. Essentially, you are just a piece of furniture. <laughs> you know, yeah, you just sit there. In a lot of ways, the uh, wife of the governor has more influence on the running of a state than a deputy governor. Uh, in the same way, um, if you're going to make all your appointments of ministers of state who are junior ministers, make no mistake about it, um, to be young people, those young people are going to be answerable to the older uh, men and women who are the substantive ministers, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that Nigeria has this cult of age, you know, so we mistakenly equate age with wisdom. And as we've seen again and again and again, that a lot of our older men and women can be some of the most foolish people uh, on the face of the earth. But, you know, especially if they can reel off some dated um, proverb or two, they think that that's sagacity, that's wisdom, which it isn't. If Nigeria were um, a place that is leavened by the wisdom of age, it would be one of the best spaces on the face of the earth. But we know that the, the, the reverse is true. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially, what Bukola Saraki told the young people who um, ostensibly purchased his ticket is that I'm going to keep you, even though you are in his own, um, uh, in his own uh, admission, they constitute the vast majority, 62, I think is actually up to 64 or more percent of the demographic in Nigeria is what you can um, categorize as youth. So he's saying to them, I'm going to keep you marginal. I'm going to uh, find you a small room. The big boys are going to be in one uh, large space. You know, We're going to be doing what we do, which is to enjoy the perks of office, to eat and so on. And you can be there talking your Turinchi, your idea, right? <laughs> Which is what happens in Nigeria, you know? I mean, I've met so many people who have served in government. I met a man who served in a cabinet with one of Nigeria's recent presidents. And he told me, you know, every week we had the Federal Executive uh, Council meeting. But any idea that was... Uh, up for discussion. He said, everybody kept quiet to find out the mind of the president, which is usually often the most puny and the most idiotic mind in the room. <laughs> okay? And the president would indicate that this is the direction he wanted to follow. And everybody would just, you know, step in line and proclaim the wisdom, the absolute uh, genius of the president's position. And if, uh, you know, woe betide you if, if um, you, you know that the president's position is really foolish and you had the temerity to, to propose something different, something better, right? Um, you know, so this friend of mine told me that there are thousands of people who want that job you have as minister, 
so they will hear what you do, what you did, and quickly send a message to the president that we hear that this guy is talking as if he's the one who is president. Uh, who is he? Okay, and very soon the president will say, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm the president, and I'm old, you know, so I, I'm, I'm wise um, by definition." So, so anyway, so the whole thing is, Bukalosaraki. Let me propose something. Let me make what they call a modest proposal to you which is the kind of modest proposal that I'd like to make to Abubakar Tiku, which is the kind of modest proposal I'd like to make to uh, Bola Tinubu. Please do not run, okay? You have already a profile uh, in the public space. It's not an admirable and impressive profile. It is a profile that is marked above all by self-service so you've done well for yourself you know so when you were governor you did well for yourself uh, but as governor and when you when you were leaving you served yourself well the pension and other things you were getting when you were senate president uh, you had all the um, all the uh, grandeur and um, you know the pomp and the pageantry attaching to that office. You served yourself well. You traveled in style as president of the Nigerian Senate. Uh, in all the positions, I'm sure when you were a special, senior special assistant and so on, you were well served. We haven't seen an imprint, positive imprint that you left in the body politic itself. So rather than proposing yourself to be president and rather than Proposing then to tokenize uh, young Nigerians by making them junior ministers. How about you have a moment, perhaps the first moment of modesty and humility in your life, and step down. Tinubu, step down. Atiku, step down. Sponsor for, for once. Use the resources you have, the financial muscle you have, and also the political connections you have to propose a 35-year-old Nigerian to run their country, okay? A 40-year-old Nigerian or a 50-year-old Nigerian um, to run the country. Because all of us, ultimately, if you all will come down from your high horses, recognize that in the end, your credential is one of mediocrity, ultimately, um, if, if you will come off the high horse that sort of um, motivates you into perpetuating mediocrity, you know, and, and sort of seeing self-aggrandizement as, as acute leadership quality, if you would instead support somebody who has the intellectual capacity, who has the moral funds, uh, the transformative imagination to take Nigeria to a different place which Nigeria desperately wants to get to, you would actually have redeemed something of your life. Okay? Um, but please, by no means should you think, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not a young man, so I shouldn't speak <laughs> with the outrage that I expect young people to feel. But speaking as somebody who has a stake in the matter, I feel embarrassed 
on behalf of young people that a group of them will go there and be insulted to their face, told, yeah, you purchased a form for me. Uh, if I become president, I'll find you a small corner room. I'll make you um, ministers of state, junior ministers. You're going to carry water for the old men. So you go and write your memos and your ideas and the old men will laugh you off and then go and sit down and do what they know how to do, which is um, to, to divide the cake among themselves. You know, it's, it's really... I've, I, I don't think I've been more... I've not, I've not been more irritated, more annoyed to, to hear a politician, what a politician thinks is actually a, a generous gesture on his part, but which is an insult to young people. And I want young people in Nigeria to begin to understand these things, to begin to understand that Bukhala Saraki does you no favors, Atiku does you no favors, or Juzokalo does you no favors. These people are tried and tested in mediocrity and in, 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 in disastrous leadership. Okay? So there's no, they have no reason to feel, to arrogate them, to themselves this privilege that they are the ones who will go and run the country. And when you look at them and you are in awe of them, you ought to ask yourself, why am I in awe of these people? Am I in awe of them because there's something Churchillian about them? Or am I in awe of them because they have made money? And if it is because they've made money, they have you know, all this uh, public persona, you know, uh, of a grand um, reputation and all, you have to ask yourself, how did they get that preferment? Um, did they get it from any um, distinction in leadership? No. They got it actually by trading in their mediocrity for all the gains. Um, and we've said on this show again and again how um, Nigerian leaders, Nigerian leaders are compensated to a degree that is obscene in the world, okay? And yet, um, when it comes to achievement, some of their apologists are saying, oh, you don't expect them to, to, to compete, uh, to, to deliver the same quality of leadership as, say, a French or a German or an American or a Canadian president, okay? But when it comes to compensation, a lot of our governors in a month have more, take away more money than the U.S. president takes away in a year. Think about that. Think about that. You know, which is why there is this deadly, deadly pursuit of office, political office in Nigeria. Not because people have the capacity to serve, but precisely because they have the insatiable impulse and drive to serve themselves. 
And yeah. this has to stop somehow. Yeah. I mean, essentially, man, I mean, the political system has, um, it's just a money-making factory. So um, it's sad. And, you know, I guess one of the things we try to do in having all these conversations is to say that it shouldn't be, and it shouldn't be the case. Even, you know, even if um, a majority of people and in, in and, I, and, I, and I'll say it, I'll say it again, a majority of people in Nigeria mm-hmm. see it as the case. Like I started with the story of my 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 relative who is clearly politically inclined, but um, is ask is acting like um, this thing, you know, gather enough support and then get his own people that will come and tell him to run, and then yeah. he'll be like, look, I was never going to run anyway, yes. and these people came up, but but you've um, cultivated them and you're not cultivating all those things because you genuinely feel um, the people of uh, your area, area, that area need somebody in government mm-hmm. is because you, you also see it as a way to, um, you know, uh, take your financial status to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you, you, they would have all these things there. They would build the houses, you know, put, put, put a few things here and there and make it seem like... Um, um, uh, and some of those make it seem like they're 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 rich before getting into government, but in reality, even those things they have, a lot of them are still tied to the government in yeah. one way, shape, or form. Yeah. So it's 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 like in the psyche of the average person, mm-hmm. this is kind of like what is what's mm-hmm. going on. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, it's. Uh, 2023 is 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 particularly, um, I would say, critical. Um, if you look at, uh, we're going to do a podcast on that developments in the world, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and uh, its geopolitical implications for Nigeria. Uh, we need to begin to think uh, about. Uh, how to reshape our country, you know. And I, can't, I cannot uh, state this enough, that this is how terrible Nigeria is, okay? We have zero infrastructure, essentially. So we're not, we're not a real society. We're a society where um, uh, commuters and highways, uh, for the most part, still have to, stop and run to the bush to relieve themselves, you know? So we, we, we treat our citizens. We've created a country where our citizens have to live out their lives as if they were animals. It's only animals that will pee and defecate wherever they feel like it, you know? Um, to travel by road in Nigeria, you know, even when you get to places where... Uh, there are facilities like toilets. You go and see the condition of those toilets. You prefer to go to the bush. Mm. We build schools and teachers and students. We build schools. A state government will build a school and decide that uh, a toilet is a luxury. What, what do they need a toilet for? Uh, they just need a classroom. And so when a teacher, the principal, students need again to relieve themselves, they go into a bush behind their school. So when students are in their classes, the stench of defecation 
is swept in into their nostrils every, every moment by the breeze. You know, that's the kind of country, that's the kind of mess we have created by men and women leading us who, have the, who don't have the foggiest idea of what it means to be a leader. We think that the true measure of being a leader is, you know, uh, how many chieftaincy titles you can take and how many times you've been to Mecca and or how many times you've been to p- pilgrimage in Jerusalem or how many uh, uh, titles, meaningless holo titles you invest yourself with, you know? And, and so it's, it's disheartening when I see young Nigerians who have better ideas than the, the men and women who have wrecked their lives, who have better energy, who have a better uh, stake, because you're younger, you're going to live uh, longer in this... You're supposed, to, the, live, in, you're in, supposed in, to live young, young, longer. Supposed yeah, to. you're supposed to live younger, but your lives are even cut short. So yesterday, you know, I got a call from Nigeria, and a guy my age, you know, who was otherwise seemingly in good health, went to a funeral, and as the grave was being filled with earth, he said, oh, you know, he was feeling a bit woozy, and they were trying to take him to go sit down, and he just slumped, okay? And they gave him, administered CPR, got a pulse, but there were no ambulances, so they put him in a vehicle sitting down, not relaxed, not lying down, sitting down. By the time they got to a hospital, the man was dead, that's life in Nigeria, you know? Sudden death. That, that, the sudden death. You know, so we, 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 we die in that country uh, uh, in ways that nobody should die in the world. And they'll okay? say it's from the village. Yeah, this is, you know, in, in a, a small community in Anambra State where he's gone to a funeral mm-hmm. and just died like that. No, they're, they're going to say like, you know? They're going to say like, hey, that's his when vill- God, his village people sent it. Yeah, or you know, or they will say, you know, that's when God wanted him to die. So we we have bad roads in Nigeria. Then we have terrible accidents on the roads, and we give God the discredit. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's when God wrote for this person to die. Or people uh, drive drunk and recklessly and die, and they say, yeah, God wrote it. You know, so the the things that we ascribe to God and the things we allow our leaders to get away with, you know, so you are, yeah, I mean, my brother, I've, I've talked here before about Anambra State and Peter B is, is praised in some ways, you know, with some justification uh, as one of the uh, best governors to have run Anambra State. And yet when you look at it objectively, it, it was an administration of, you know, questionable leadership. And on one occasion, you know, he built one library in eight years. One library in Orca. Okay? Oh, my gosh. Every community, right? Mm-hmm. Every small town in America has one or two public libraries. And the bigger the town, some of them have up to six public and private libraries. And the things that, if you invest in education, okay, if, if young men and women have a sense that education is important, then they will invest themselves 
they, they, they will immerse themselves in that uh, academic and intellectual life, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're building, a governor is building one library in eight years, you know, every community throughout Nigeria should have a library and it should be well-stocked. Every community in Nigeria should have a well-run hospital, okay? That anybody, regardless of your socioeconomic status, should be able to go and receive treatment. We don't have any of that. And so... The gap is so huge. You know, what needs to be done in Nigeria to make life supportable, okay? To make life livable. And so when we continue to invoke the names of men and women whose uh, expertise in, is in incompetence, and we're going to purchase forms for them, which is, as I said, is just mere drama. It's, 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 it's a contrivance, you know. I, I can bet you that uh, Bukhala Saraki gave those people more, more than the 40 million they paid. It's all staged this theater for me, you know, uh, so that I'll give the impression that I was, you know, just going to rest and enjoy my money. And, you know, these young people came begging me, so I'm rising to the call of history. Please, there's a lot of money being thrown about by the Bori, by the uh, uh, Tinubus and the Atikus and the Bukalasarakis and the Ojus or Kalos and so on and so forth. Please reject this. Please seize your country for once. Okay? The, the same energy that young people brought to the NSAS movement, they need to bring that energy and seize their country from those who have wrecked it and continue to wreck it. On that note, it's been a delight um, to have you with us and we hope and look forward to you joining us in the next episode. Have a great day. All right.